Thank you, Father, for one more opportunity to come to this pulpit. So many times have passed over my head that I have stood in this same spot and preached to many of these same people. I ask you, O Lord, for something of which I'm not worthy. I ask you a touch of your anointing and the power of your presence and your spirit as we preach your word today. Anoint, O Lord, and enable. Refresh, O God, and touch us as we examine these instruments of righteousness, the Word of God. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. The greatest Christian who ever lived was heard to say, I am what I am by the grace of God. The writer of over half of the New Testament said, The life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, that he might redeem me. That song says, he thought I was to die for. So he sacrificed his life. In fact, the Bible said, the Lord gave him up for us all. By giving up his son, the Lord Jesus, he made a new and living way. It's what we call the New Testament, the new covenant. Far more eternal and everlasting than the first Mosaic covenant. This covenant reaches out to encompass all nations and all races, all peoples of the earth. That everyone sitting under the sound of my voice today is a soul for whom Jesus died. Yea, everyone in this city, everyone in this state, this country, this nation, this continent, this planet, everyone is a soul for whom Jesus died. Sometimes they sing a song, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. I want you to know that the Lord Jesus was so focused about his mission, so focused about his destiny. For this reason, the Son of God came into the world. The Apostle Paul said it's a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. The greatest Christian knew this all so well and he advised every one of us to remember Calvary. In fact, he said, I can't carry around in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus. I don't ever let it get away from my mind's eye that the Lord Jesus died on Calvary's cross for me. I carry that with me, he said. All of the activities of the day, I don't ever go to a place, I never enter a conversation, I never engage in any activity but what I have in mind that Calvary is present with me that I carry the dying of the Lord Jesus around with me everywhere I go. What a sobering thought that is. In fact, the Bible talks about people who fall away, and it says they crucify the Son of God afresh, that they do despite to the Spirit of grace and trod underfoot the blood of the covenant. Wow, that's powerful language, isn't it? That in fact, God feels so strongly about this dying of the Lord Jesus, that he accepts the activity at Golgotha as payment in full for all of the sin and the wrath, all of the condemnation, all of the guilt, all of the consequences of a life of sin is eradicated because of what happened at Calvary, what happened at Golgotha. Well, I know that favor sometimes comes out of a lot of places that we don't expect. Brother, I'm telling you, grace means favor. We surely got favored by Calvary. You mean suffering and dying on a cross was an act of grace? It was a place where grace flowed out? Well, grace comes from places you don't expect sometimes. Grace comes from people sometimes you don't expect it to come from. Have you ever been surprised where favor came from? Oh, I have. In 32 years that I've passed through this church, I've come to learn one thing more than any is that grace comes from strange sources. 
Sometimes unknown sources can produce grace. Sometimes a seed that you planted in a previous season that you wrote off as an unanswered prayer and forgot about it and moved on, but suddenly you find yourself in the throes of a difficulty and realize that that seed planted in another season produces in the season to supply your need. Sometimes favor comes from strange places. In fact, the people of God were wandering around in a wilderness and the Bible said that God caused water to flow out of a rock. Well, that's kind of strange. That water would just flow out of a rock. That favor and blessing, satisfaction, would come out of a hard place like a rock. That seems strange that favor would flow from a place like that. Well, God brings favor to our lives through a lot of different things. Sometimes I think God wants to just challenge our attachment to this world. Sometimes I think he wants to just get up close and personal with us. Well, this greatest Christian, as I do just a few minutes ago, made this statement about a co-worker. He said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. It wasn't persecution that caused him to quit. It wasn't difficulty and hard circumstances that caused him to quit. It wasn't anything other than just he loved the things of this world. No wonder the Bible tells us, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. We had a great lesson on Wednesday night a couple of weeks ago about loving the blesser and not the blessing. Sometimes we love the blessing so much that we don't pay proper respect to the blesser. It's so much better that we honor and bless God than that we bless our blessing. Amen? It's so important that we know God is the giver. That's right. Just go ahead and give him some praise because we're way behind on thanking God for blessings that he gives us in our lives. Recently, I was preparing messages for the Easter season and all of you know my messages after 32 years. There's very few ways you can come at it from a different angle, so you, you know my information. Those seven cross sayings are so important, aren't they? Seven utterances, three before the darkness, one during the darkness, and three after the darkness. There was one that was a very compelling statement that Jesus made from the cross. In fact, he said this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Boy, that tells us that we ought to forgive people who trespass against us. And I wish I could tell you that I'm good at that. Don't look down your nose at me. You're not very good at it either. Because I saw you on 459 the other day and somebody was wanting to get merged into traffic. You speeded up so they couldn't get ahead of you. Don't make me tell all I know now. So don't act like you, you've never been unforgiving. Jesus taught us that we need to forgive people who actually are murdering us. Isn't that something? He prayed for his murderers and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He actually looked around at his mother at the cross and said to the disciple that Jesus loved, Son, behold thy mother. Mother, behold thy son. Wow, he's dying on a cross. He's hanging suspended up in the air and he's thinking about somebody else. So what that teaches us is that even though situations are dire and even though circumstances are difficult and things hard are going on around us, we should never lose our feeling and compassion for others, for other people. Here Jesus is dying in the process of going through the most important event ever and he looks down at his mother and has compassion. Wow. Wow. You know, there are a lot of things to read into that. You know, we have 
good friends, you know, who are of a different faith, that they believe that Mary is, is to be prayed to and to be trusted in and that kind of thing. But if, if, if she is so powerful, then why did Jesus say you need somebody to take care of you? Duh. And Jesus says to John, take care of my mother, just like she was your own mother. And then he prays a prayer and uh, says great information to us about how to deal with uh, people who ask us to do something. A, a thief asks him, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And he said, this day shalt thou be with me in paradise. Praise God. Well, another one was Eli, Eli, Eloi, Sabachthani. That being interpreted means, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? How can God forsake God? How can God the Father forsake God the Son? Boy, a lot of theology right there, isn't there? How can God, hmm, that brings us to a, another one of them, and it's most intriguing of all. It really just kind of freaked me out when I, when I read this and came, came across this. If you remember, there were, of those seven crossings, the fifth one was, I thirst. Jesus, thirst, I thirst. How can the one who spoke the word and all the worlds came into order, that with his finger he established the boundary of the seas and the oceans of our planet? And yet the one who created water now says, I'm thirsty. In fact, the Bible calls him Jacob's well. How can Jacob's well be dry? How can Jesus, who said, Ho, everyone that is a thirst, come and drink of the water of eternal life. How can Jesus, the source of living water, how can water be thirsty? How can the God who spoke and rolled back the waters of the Red Sea for his people to, he commanded a, a Red Sea to now say, I'm thirsty. How can a God, a Savior, who is sitting on a well at Sychar, say to a woman, if you drink of the water that I shall give you, you will never thirst again. How can the one who supplies such life-giving water that you'll never thirst again say, I'm thirsty? Can God get thirsty? How can the one who stood on the bow of the ship when the storm was raging and the sea spray was splattering him in the face and the wind was boisterous and the waves were unruly and he speaks to the water and says, Peace, be still. And the water calms down and is still. How can one who commands water say, I'm thirsty? Well, the scripture says, in that day there shall be opened in the house of David a fountain for all manner of sin and all kinds of iniquity that needs to be cleansed. How can that fountain be dry? How can the one who is the source of living water, how can the one who has been so powerful in creating water and giving thirst to thirsty people spiritually, how can he walk on water at the Sea of Galilee to save the lives of a disciple, say, I thirst. How can God need a drink? How can living water say, I am thirsty? We know that water, I can believe that about me and you. Are you a thirsty person? I try to do good when I go out to eat. Debbie will tell you, I'm pretty good. I'm all right. You know, I tip good. but I drink a lot. 
and I tell waitresses sometimes and waiters because I'm usually somewhere around Don just keep our glass full of water or whatever we're drinking because we're we drink a lot you might just say we're thirsty are you a thirsty person you drink a lot brother Fincher when we go out to eat with him he'll tell him say hey 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 what's that in your hand say it's a pitcher of tea he said sit it down over here save you a lot of steps if you'll just set the pitcher down and Fincher will look up and say I'm sorry he's just a thirsty man He's just a thirsty man. I see some of your wives looking over at you guys and nodding like that's you too. Well, that's okay. It's okay to be thirsty. We all are thirsty. We know you got to, in fact, I get told sometimes I'm not drinking enough water. So why is this thing about water, number one, it talks to us about the humanity of Jesus. When, for him to say, I'm thirsty. In fact, in Luke 2 and 53, the Bible said he increased in wisdom and stature. He was not just a humanized God. He was the God-man. He was very much God. When he came into this earth, he did not give up being God. He was at one time God and man. He never gave up his power. He never gave up all of his attributes. He was clothed in flesh, yes, like we are. In fact, the Bible said he became one of us. One of us. It behooved him, did the Bible say, that in all things he would be made like unto his brethren. Hallelujah. That Jesus would take on the form of man. In fact, John 14, 26 says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten Son of the Father. He wearied in body in John 4 and 6. He was hungry in Matthew 4 and 2. He slept in Mark 4, 38. He marveled in Mark 6 and 6. He wept in John eleven thirty five. He prayed in Mark 1, 35. He rejoiced in Luke 10 and 31. He groaned in John eleven twenty three. He thirsted in John 19 and 28. Hebrews 2 and 17 said, Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and a faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. It also not only tells us about his humanity, it tells us about his suffering. In Lamentations chapter 1 verse 13, He hath made me desolate and faint. We would have to conclude when we read these passages in each of the Gospels that his suffering was unparalleled. And as great as it was, his suffering was not the cause of his thirst. Wow. There was a far greater and a higher motive which prompted him. In fact, the statement, I thirst, further evidences the fact that he was in perfect submission to the will of the Father. He who caused water to flow from a rock in the wilderness could have provided unlimited water for him to drink. He had infinite resources at his disposal, but the thirst is part of the redemptive price that was paid for our eternal salvation from sin and its consequences. Not just the cross and not just the humiliation, but the suffering. And the Bible said he suffered without the gate. Why did he do that? Why did he suffer? So he could minister to people who suffer. He did that so that he could, what does the Bible say? Succor them that also suffer. So by acquainting himself, the Bible said he was a man that was acquainted with sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. He was acquainted with infirmity. And because he knows how it feels and knows the pain and he knows the awful consequences of suffering, he is able to minister to people who suffer. Wow. In other words, the best help for people who are struggling with cancer are people who have survived cancer. The best people to tell someone how to get through it is someone who's been through it. The best answer to people to, that need to be encouraged is people who experienced one time when they were encouraged. You see, when you've been through it and when you've done it, what is it you say? Been there, done that? 
When you've been there and done that and got the t-shirt, then you're able to help people who get in that same predicament. Years ago, I went to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. Sorry. No, I'm not an alcoholic. I went with someone that got saved in my church that was still struggling. And we sat in the circle, and they would each one call their name. I'm John Smith, I'm Joe Blow, and I'm an alcoholic. And I this and I that and began talking their story. And then it would go to the next person. They would say, uh, my name is uh, Joe Blow and uh, I'm an alcoholic. Well, I saw that thing was working its way around to me. <laughs> Thad, you might say I saw it coming. And when it came to me, I said, my name is Jerry Irwin, and I'm not an alcoholic. I've never been an alcoholic. I've never been in that kind of bondage. But I know a Jesus who saves, delivers, transforms, makes brand new people out of folks who struggle and people who suffer with that addiction. Hallelujah! You see, when, when you have experienced a malady, you're able to say to people, I made it, you can make it. I got through it, you can get through it. I had that, I beat it. When you're able to have that testimony and have that word, it's an encouragement. So Jesus went through that whole ordeal so that he would be able to help people who suffer and people who struggle. Isn't that something? Why then did he hang there with parched lips? If he could have just spoke the word and a fountain just sprang up and gave him all the water he wanted, he could have done that. He could have at any point solved his problem because he was God. So it was not that water and that relief from that situation that prompted him because he turned down a drink. See, the first drink that was offered to him was offered by, by some ladies. And the Bible says that they offer that to convicted criminals so that the pain and the suffering won't be so bad. It was a stupefying thing. In other words, it numbed your senses, and I guess you'd just say it was dope. Just got you to where you just didn't care. And they would, as an act of mercy and an act of charity, these women would give that drink to convicted and condemned criminals to try to help them. It was a, it was a charitable thing, a, a kind and a benevolent thing so that they would not suffer so much. Why did he hang there and go through that? And why did he not allow them to give him drink. Well, let's read in John 19, verse 28 through 30. After this, Jesus knowing that all things, somebody say all things, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I hurt, I thirst. Take good note because, boy, that's a very important when that happens. Jesus now knows that everything that God sent him to do was done. That all things that God ordained for Jesus to do on this earth had been done. Realizing that everything's been accomplished, everything's been finished, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. So Jesus didn't say, I'm thirsty, 
because he wanted a drink. He was thirsty so that the scripture would be fulfilled. While hanging there on that cross, remembering and recollecting all the things, there were over 300 prophecies that were fulfilled at Calvary and the death of Jesus. 300, over 300 of them. And Jesus, in his memory, you know why he turned down that first one when those women offered it to him? They've offered him gall and, and myrrh. And the Bible said, and Jesus received it not. Why, Jesus, my Lord, make it easy on yourself. Brother, if they was passing out that stuff over where they had us in jail, I'd have been one with my hand up said, hey, if it'll make this thing easy, hey, right here, here's your guy. But Jesus said, no. I don't want anything that's going to numb or desensitize or paralyze or cause me not to feel the full effect of what I'm doing. I don't want anybody to give me something that I won't know what the suffering is like. Don't dupe me and don't chloroform me. Don't shoot me full of something that I won't be aware of what's going on because I want to be aware of what's going on. I want to be aware of the suffering, the stripes, the plucking out of the beard, the crown of thorns. I want to know all that is happening to me because it's important that I do this understanding and knowing what I'm doing. For you see that gall and that sour wine had in it a mixture there that the soldiers, how did that stuff get there anyway? It was in a pot, the Bible said. It was in a vessel. And it was sitting there. It's actually the soldiers would drink that stuff. And especially before they went into battle because there was a substance, a medicine dock of some kind that caused blood flow to be limited. So the ladies were actually offering Jesus something that would cause him not to bleed so much. But Jesus said, no, no thanks. Hallelujah. I want the blood to flow. I want the wound to be open. I want that blood not to be restricted. That blood is precious blood. That blood is redeeming blood. That blood is life-saving, life-giving, life-altering blood. That blood that will flow from my ribbon side. That blood that will flow from my pierced hands. That blood that will flow from my feet that are pierced with the nails. That blood will change people's lives. That blood will bring peace. That blood will bring hope. That blood will bring joy. So don't stop the flow. Let the blood flow freely. Don't want your medicine. I, I, won't, I, I, don't want, I won't drink that. I don't need that. You know, for him to be favored in that way, all things were now accomplished that the scripture might be fulfilled, saying, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and they put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. Wow. So Jesus is here suspended on that cross because his determination is to do the will of him that sent him. He'd already prayed in that garden, and he said, Father, if there be any other way. I need to whoop me up a sermon on any other way. Lord, if there is any other way, let this cup of suffering pass from me. But nevertheless, if there is no other way, if there is no other avenue, 
If there is no other payment, then thy will be done. So I sense in that struggle. Don't you? I hear struggle in that because he's saying if it can be any other way. But if it can't be any other way, not what I want as a human being, as a person, a man, but thy will, O oh God in heaven, be done. Boy, how he teaches us a great lesson right there. Because for us, many times we get in that fork of the road where we can choose the easy and let the cup pass. And oftentimes when we're faced with a decision, easy, easy cup or bitter cup. Easy cup, are you crazy? Why would I choose the other? Sometimes God teaches us lessons. Sometimes that favor that flows from those unfamiliar places, like that water out of that rock. You know what God was doing? They were wandering around out there. That was so they would not camp out in a place that God intended them to pass through. You see, sometimes God just kind of challenges us about that because when we get to a good place sometimes, we want to take that easy cup and we want to say, hey, this is fine. Right here is fine. I believe I'll just put up my tent and stop right here. When God says, no, 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 no. Next stop down the road. We're almost there. Come on, don't quit now. Don't accept this for that. Don't accept this. For that, Ooh, touch your neighbor and say, don't accept this for that because this is not that. Touch the person on the other side of it and say, this is not that. This is not that. And for the most part, the modern church has taken the easy cup. And because there may not be another way, we just invent one. We just put one together and make one become another way. In death as in life, he refused to minister to his own needs apart from the word by which he had lived his whole life. So now he makes known that need, not to get relief, but that the scriptures might be fulfilled. The terrible thirst of the crucifixion is upon him, but that was not enough to force him to speak. But it is written. Wow. There was another time when Jesus was offered food. Where was it? A mount of temptation? And the Bible said the devil showed him bread. And he said, you must be hungry 40 days, 40 nights. Buddy, I wouldn't have made it long on that diet, Marie. But that diet wouldn't work for me. Forty days and forty nights, nothing to eat. And the tempter said to him, You've got to be hungry. Take this bread and eat this bread. If you are God, if you're the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread and you can eat. But he said, No, I'm going to live by my word. Because it's written, thou shalt not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, Matthew 4 and 4. So we learn right there that he's not willing to give up the truth of God's word to get something he personally needs for his humanity. So again on the cross, he refuses something he needs for his humanity because he has to fulfill the scripture, the promise, the prophetic event. Isn't that great stuff? You see, sometimes this flesh wants something and a choice has to be made, just like with Jesus. Will you take the will of God or will you take what your flesh is crying out for? So Jesus is there on the cross and he's presented with this whole ideal and he said, no, I'm not going to appease my flesh. I'm going to do the will of God. 
Psalm 69 and 21. They gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. You see, he reviewed for a moment the entire scope of messianic prediction. And he decided, I'm going to pay the price. That vessel of vinegar, in verse 29, there was a ration that was given to the soldiers. You see, there was an earlier time when that drink was offered, and he refused that one. It's in Mark 15 and 22 and 23. Let's read it. And they bring unto him, unto the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of a skull, and they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. Jesus refused that drink because he wanted to be focused and do what God's will was. Matthew 27 is a great passage along these same lines. I'm closing in just a minute. They gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink it. That same offering of the sour wine in verse 29 of our text must be distinguished from that that's offered in 2734. There was another offering in 2748. Put 48 up there for me. That coincides with this offering that we're talking about now. Matthew 27, 48. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. And what did Jesus do with that one? He took it. And then cried out, finished, and he died. What about that hyssop? Why, why did that soldier suddenly have this change of heart and have empathy toward him and reach unto him hyssop, hyssop and vinegar and the gall? Why did a soldier do that? That hyssop is so important right there. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 22, when Moses had preached all the law and proclaimed all the law, thank God we're not under the law. But while Moses cried out all about the law, listen to what it says in Exodus 22 and 12, 12, 22. And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin, and none of you shall go out at the door of his house until morning. What was that all about? That was all about the keeping, sustaining, cleansing, saving power of God. And he said, take the hyssop. Can you say hyssop? Take the hyssop and strike the door lintel with it and put the blood on the door lintel. And when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. Did you know there is protection in the blood? Hey, there's a reason why we say we've got that under the blood. There's a reason why we say the blood covers it all. There's a reason why we say the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. That was the Old Testament way is take the hyssop and apply the blood of an animal. Are you listening to me? Come on, Connor, and help me quit. Psalm 51 and 7, a prayer of David after he'd done his horrendous, terrible sin. Somebody say amen. Amen. Killed somebody to take his wife. Backslid. Brother, you ain't heard that in a long time, have you? Backslid. He prayed in Psalm 51 and 7, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. The Old Testament way involved hyssop. Take the hyssop and apply it. And David said, Purge me, God, with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Here's the clincher, Hebrews 9 and 19. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats 
and with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all of the people. Hyssop was a brushy looking piece of a bush that was about a foot or a foot and a half long. I wish I had some hyssop right now to dip in some saving blood and just put it on every one of you. You need some cleansing? Let me get the hyssop. Let me get over here in the blood. I'll put some on you. You, you need some healing? Let me get some hyssop. Get over here and get in some blood. I'll put some healing out there for you. That was the Old Testament way. Travel with me now. Travel with me to a place called Golgotha. Come with me to a place called Mount Calvary where God was at his best and man was at his worst. Where heaven and earth came together in one event called the crucifixion. And on an old rugged cross far away on a hill called Calvary, the Son of God hung suspended between heaven and earth. Galatians tells us that the blood of that cross will give us peace. St. John's Gospel tells us that that blood of that cross is sufficient for the cleansing. Paul, the writer of the New Testament, says, for if the blood of goats and the blood of bulls and calves were sufficient for the cleansing under the old covenant, how much more shall the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanse us from all sin. Travel with me, travel with me outside the camp of the tabernacle in the wilderness and go with me to that place called Calvary. And we see a man take hyssop and once again offer, hallelujah, an offering to a sacrifice. He took the hyssop and he took a reed and he extended it up to Jesus. What are you saying? I'm saying there's another sacrifice. Not a calf. Not a, not a goat. Not a pigeon. Not a, not a bull. Ho, hala, hasika, bahaya. Hey, glory to God. There was another sacrifice. The blood of the eternal sacrifice. For if the blood of goats and bulls were sufficient for the cleansing, how much more shall the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanse you from all sin? So we can say with David this morning, purge me with hyssop. Not with the blood of a calf, but with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. For his blood is not just blood of another spotless lamb, but his blood is precious blood, for it washed the sins of man. And this blood, it heals my body, and it sets my spirit free. And I'm so glad this precious blood still flows from Calvary. Hallelujah. The blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. Stand with me, please, all over this house. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son. God's Son cleanses us from all sin. And the Bible calls that the blood of the eternal sacrifice. It's not a situation where once a year we come back and do it over. It's not a situation, Rodney, where we have to go buy another calf to bring to Jerusalem and take to the chief priest and go back into the veil because something happened to that veil. Tim, when Jesus said, It is finished. The Bible said, And the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. What was behind that veil, Pastor? A place called the Holy of Holies. 
And the only one who was worthy to go back there was a priest. But that veil was not rent from bottom to top. If it had been rent from bottom to top, we would have done it. But it was rent from top to bottom, which means God did it. And when God rent that he opened up the way. Somebody say, he opened up the way. Say it again, he opened up the way. The Bible said, but now we have access. Somebody say access. Access into this grace, the apostle Paul said. Praise God, you can go for yourself. You don't have to send somebody. You don't have to bring a goat or a bull. Hallelujah, the blood of Jesus is eternal and everlasting. That's the sacrifice. He had once offered himself for the sins of the whole world forever. Glory to God. Everybody in this house, you have access into this grace. And Victor, the next time he comes, he won't have to die for me. The next time he comes, there won't be a Calvary. For the next time he comes, twill be one eternity. For the next time he comes, he'll be coming for me. Oh, the next time he comes, he won't have to die for me. And the next time he comes, there won't be a Calvary. For the next time he comes, it will be one eternity. For the next time he comes, he'll be coming for me. Oh, glory to God. Isn't that a wonderful promise? What a promise. So when you're around some folks and they ask you, why did Jesus say, I thirst? on the cross say it's in the parenthesis there did you not see it it says that the scripture might be fulfilled hallelujah that God's promise would be realized is there anybody in this house that's taken advantage of that that promise and said thank God I've received that promise that promise is received in my heart received in my life and I want to tell you the power of what happened at Calvary can break any yoke. I said it can break any yoke. Any yoke. Any bondage. Any habit. Any fear. It's all broken by Calvary. By Calvary. By Calvary. Stretch your hand toward me. I want to pray for you. God, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the opportunity to share with this great congregation this morning. Thank you for the truth of the message that Jesus is right for whatever is wrong. God, I've informed them that because of Calvary, we don't have to live in bondage and we don't have to live as slaves. I've informed them, God, what you told me to tell them that they can live a life of liberty and freedom and peace and joy and not be haunted by all the disappointments of the past. I've told them that in Jesus Christ they can have new life. God, that is available to us this morning. And I pray that everybody under the sound of my voice, everyone in this room right now would just take to their own heart what God's Word has said today. You can be free. You can be free. You can live free. I said you can live free. You can worship free. You can walk your walk and walk your talk 
You can live in your life, live in your marriage, live in your business, live in your home, live in this world with peace with God through what? The blood of His cross. The blood of His cross. In Jesus' name, God, I pray a healing, a delivering, and a setting free. Oh, thank you, God. I felt that all the way up there. Somebody in this house just received that in Jesus' name. Somebody just received that in Jesus' name. Somebody came to this church today bound up with something, and you just got, got freed from that. God said, receive your freedom. You receive your freedom. You receive your freedom. You receive your, re your freedom. You receive your deliverance. You receive it right now in Jesus' name. Now, it's important that you testify. Take the hand of the person beside you. Tell them, I'm saved. I'm healed. I am delivered. On my way to heaven. No bondage. No shackle. No habit. No fear will ever come between me and my God. And in Jesus' name, according to the scripture, I receive my deliverance and my healing. And I am what I am by the grace of God. And the life that I now live, I live it by faith in the Son of God who died for me. Woo! in here like this, but you're going to go out like this. Might have come in here dragging around, but you're going to go out with a little pep in your step. Praise God in Jesus' name. Now you go out of here and be the best church you can be, be the best liver of Christ's righteousness that you can do in Jesus' name. God bless this congregation as we depart in peace. And I ask you to go with them. Oh God, and may they live in the grace and walk in the grace that we preach to them about today. And enjoy life and enjoy their relationship with God and their friends and their family. Keep us safe from harm and danger, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.